Hey everyone, this is George Soto and you're watching Startups Unedited. <laughs> Absolutely. So this will be our, our take one. And, you know, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time to chat and hello to, to everyone viewing this uh, startup roundtable with Dan Murphy and, and Tim Parks. Dan, uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. How's everyone doing? You guys are now in San Francisco, right? That is correct. Now in San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. Tenth of market. Living the dream. Nice. We're well, not in Brazil. You're not in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. so a little bit about my summer. So, you know, I left Twitter back in February to, you know, embark on, uh, on a new journey, building out a sales automation tool. And, you know, for a couple of different reasons, they ended up or the team decided to, to kind of uh, go different ways. And, and, you know, great team, great folks. You know, they're, they're really fantastic consultants. I kind of wanted to take some time to travel. I'd been kind of working my tail off for, for many years and, and found, found a window of opportunity to go. And so I've been actually traveling the world the past several months, meeting startups and, and founders, you know, all over the place. And, and this time I spent some time in Brazil and I can tell you that the, the startup experience and energy is, is super exciting everywhere. And uh, it's not just in, in the Valley. And one of the things that we've been doing here at, at uh, Soto Ventures and just a little background, you know, Soto Ventures is really about inspiring and educating entrepreneurship all over the place. So, you know, right now it's not a for-profit business. You know, we're not selling ads to make money, earning that, that sort of stuff. This is really more of a passion uh, project for everyone involved. So, you know, today really wanted to cover a couple of topics. You know, we've been entrepreneurs for a while. I know Tim, you know, you and I have been communicating for a while. You did AngelPad. I know I did AngelPad as well. Thomas Corte is phenomenal. You know, Up Council is a, is a phenomenal concept. I think you guys are just getting started now. You're part of what I like to look at or, or categorize as the uh, the sassification, or, or and not, not necessarily sass, because you know I know there's a business side and there's a, there's a consumer side there, but really the the modern modernization. Uh, of of these traditional markets like legal services and those sorts of stuff, uh, Tim. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you guys are up to at Up Council and and kind of what the future is for the business? Yeah, for sure. Uh, first off, just one correction. Um, I'm actually not the founder of Up Council, but Matt and Mason did go to AngelPad and were part of that program. I joined uh, about eight ten months after they got out of AngelPad. Um, so. You know, up council, I think you started talking about a very interesting topic, and, and I, I agree. I don't think it's SaaS necessarily. Um, I do think it's business services, and I think it's about how do we effectively um, access legal services at a reasonable rate uh, inside of small businesses. And I think that's always been a pain point when you talk to people about, hey, do you have a good lawyer? How much does it cost? You know, do you feel like you're getting fleeced every time? You know, these are just like standard things that people talk about when you talk about the legal industry. So we've developed a highly curated group of attorneys along with a really slick and easy product to connect and not only just connect for the first time, but then manage a lot of your legal experience um, with that attorney over the platform. I think we actually, like Dan in the corner here is, is one of my favorite customers of UpCouncil, actually. So he can talk a little bit more about it from a client side. But, you know, the idea here is, is like we're empowering attorneys 
with great software to make them more efficient uh, to find clients and to work with clients and make it really easy and effortless for clients to manage, invoice, pay, and also review uh, those attorneys. Well, I have to actually add that I, I've been a customer as well, and I've always enjoyed the experience that I've had with you guys uh, as a business. So I, I got to just uh, just uh, point that Thank out. You. Appreciate that. Now, Dan, just a little bit about yourself. You and I have been friends for a while, communicating. You know, I know you've been now at Import.io, helping them grow, not just necessarily their, their pre-existing business, but helping them grow into the enterprise. <laughs> a little bit about the product and, and where you guys are sort of uh, moving towards. Yeah, sure. So we're kind of, uh, when I joined, we were well known. I think we still are for our our free tool, uh, which lets anyone turn a web page into a, like a structured data set they can put into a to a spreadsheet. Um, a lot of guys use it for, for building lists of people they can contact off Yelp or other directories. Uh, and my challenge was to, to kind of figure out you know, can we make some money out of this? We certainly made a lot of buzz. We weren't making any money. Um, and add, add to that that we couldn't monetize the free tool and just charge a premium on that. Uh, we, we ended up developing um, an enterprise data service. So it's for folks um, who have proven out that they need data from the web, for example, one of the largest book publishers um, was using our free tool and they wanted to kind of industrialize the data collection process that's when they turn to us to get um, an enterprise data feed they can rely on and not have to build a, a, a team in-house. Um, yeah, so that's kind well, of what we've been up to. It's interesting. I was meeting with an entrepreneur here in Rio yesterday, and he's got a pre-launch product, and it's a marketplace of services. And I said to him, I said, you know, in, back in you know 10 years ago, even five years ago, we had to – somehow compile all this data and and build a, a a database of of let's say service providers and what i told them was you don't have to necessarily do that a hundred percent anymore you can use tools like import.io so even if you just imported uh, you know called the web and imported 25 percent of that data that's 25 percent better user experience than you would have had with an empty shell so yeah. you know I, I think you guys are powering some very interesting things. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting, especially for entrepreneurs that are trying to prove out that build, quickly build that first product, that concept for an app, like, you know, maybe it's a real estate app and they need to get a lot of real estate listings quickly. Um, our free tool is great. They can really prove it out, maybe even monetize. And then when it makes sense to, you know, go take it up and scale it, um, we've certainly got uh, enterprise services that can help out with that. Got it. Well, guys, good question. You know, we've all been entrepreneurs for a long time. You know, I know, Tim, you run growth, which is incredibly important, right? Without growth, uh, you know, the, the, the business can't certainly survive um, from my perspective. You know, what are some of the things, you know, that, that you've learned over the years as a, as a you know, because I, I like to even say, let, let's say you're not even necessarily the official founder. You've been there for a while. You've been part of some of the the most important decisions for the business what are you know let's say i don't know two to three things that you've learned as an early stage employer employer part of certainly part of the founding team that maybe were were you know sort of new concepts it seems like every day something new happens that i was not expecting so um 
I think to that end, um, you know, I'm trying to think of what the phrase is, but uh, you basically, anything can happen, anything goes. And I think you just have to be ready for anything. Um, and uh, I guess I'm talking more specifically about some stuff that's happened in the last sort of year and a half here. But um, just when you think that something's going well, you know, something happens. And so, you know, I think it's, it's uh, the concept here is, is just more about how to handle um, that type of environment where, you know, we're all trying to go up into the red and we're all trying to grow these businesses. But the truth of the matter is, is that to get that thing going up into the right, you have to somehow coordinate, whether it's you're looking at the different channels of customer acquisition, all of them have to move up in order for you to go up into the right. But guess what? One month, something happens and something's not working right. So you took a 10% hit on one of your channels. Well, guess what? How are you going to get that extra 10% across the other channels? It's like, okay, is that possible? How do we do it? And so I guess I'm, I'm just thinking this idea that you've got to be ready for everything and you've got to have a way to handle it um, with an even keel um, and sort of like a structured framework to say like, okay, I mean, it can't be a fire drill every time. It can't be, it's just sort of like how you do business. So um, I think just learning to handle those types of curveballs and have it in an effective way that, that doesn't sort of make the work environment unpleasant, that doesn't, um, you just gotta have fun with it. But it's a fact and it's really challenging because it makes the problem much harder every single day. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot about the, the way that internet companies or web-based businesses, technology companies scale now and the possibilities are, are endless, right? Never in, in the history of humanity that I'm aware of, um, you know, could we build a, a, a website and be immediately a global business, right? Um, yeah, at least theoretically. And at the same time, because of the nature of the internet, you know, the barriers to entry are, are a little, are a little lower and, and competitors can pop up. And as you mentioned, new channels can emerge and, 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 and existing channels can go away. How, how, how do you develop a mindset? You know, you mentioned being even keel, like how do you train the team to, to develop that, that mental toughness and the mindset to be able to endure that and not have nervous breakdowns every day. Cause I get it. Right. I've been there. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, look, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of components to that. Um, I think obviously part of this, which I think is another, it's not a learning and it's not something new, but it's actually something that I think people just don't respect enough, which is, the quality of the people that work in an organization are the most important thing. So no matter what that is, whether it's how hard they work, whether it's how smart they are, how innovative they are, how data-driven they are, how whatever, insert whatever is important for your culture and your company, um, that, that starts the discussion. Um, and then how to manage pressure and, and how to manage curveballs. And, and, you know, I think for me, the, what I've seen is, is that it's got to be that the people that are managing those people understand what they're doing and understand the challenges that they face. And if you can't understand that, then you're gonna set unrealistic expectations. And then those expectations are gonna go unmet and then you're gonna be frustrated. And then the person who's doing it's gonna be frustrated and it's not gonna work out. So it's like, you know, and projection setting, I think is very challenging in, in, in this market when things change so quickly. Um, but I think that having someone who is invested in the channel that you're trying to, um, to grow and then 
as a manager being responsible enough to understand the pressures of what that person's trying to do and whether or not that's possible, you know, you need to set the limit high. And, and I definitely push people. Um, but I think you've got to be there in their corner when they are having a problem and sit down. And, you know, it means maybe one day you've got to spend a day working through an issue with them um, and making them feel like you actually appreciate what they're doing. So, you know, a lot of my stuff that I say is more common sense stuff that my grandfather taught me like a long time ago. So it's just, I think you treat people nice and you work with them and you try to solve a problem, you communicate, and that gets you pretty far. Um, and then all those things, the buzzwords in Silicon Valley, you can talk about, but typically it's about how to your good work ethic and being communicative and working together. And that gets you pretty far away. Dan, I know you've been early very early at import that I am aware of the import founders were UK based guys and you've been building out the essentially all the North American efforts and team, et cetera. What are some of the things that you've run into that maybe you weren't aware of that you've been able to overcome? I think that um, for me, it's always been um, like in in the chaos revenue and 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 signing real dollars is is the only true metric like the rest can be fudged and get a little confusing sometimes um and the final outcome you're trying to hit is is dollars i mean it speaks to everyone investors and late stage investors early stage investors everyone gets dollars um so i think that's an honest metric um so that's been really um useful to keep coming back to like how is what i'm doing today going to make money tomorrow and I, i've got two things that i look at is one is that am i closing deals am i like talking to people that are in the funnel and we're, we're seriously talking about signing and if i'm not doing that um am i getting leads like where's the top of the funnel and like my life you know for the first year here is really just alternating between the two i don't think i did a very good job at any of them but i got enough done to like keep flow in the funnel and then you start to hire you know, okay, someone's going to work on leads, right? So let's hire into that role. And then we're going to, at the moment, we're hiring like account execs to do closing. And so we're slowly starting to become a, like a proper kind of sales organization. Um, so yeah, for me, like revenue is the, the key thing. The other thing that was interesting as well is um, in our business, and I guess like anyone, when you're building out the product at the start, is you're going to sign a lot of deals that are probably not very good deals. Um, Tim, you've probably had deals that, you know, maybe you get leakage in the funnel or, you know, leakage in the marketplace. They're just not nice deals. Uh, you never know that till you sign them and do the delivery piece and then you find out it sucks. Uh, and we certainly had it. There's certainly a bucket of deals that we could be doing that really suck. And we, we kind of, um, you know, inform our sales process. So we ask questions and knock them out of the funnel. Um, so that was the other thing is like revenue is critical, but some revenue is not good revenue. You know, this is a very, very interesting theme. I just went through this uh, while we were participating in the, you know, building Dash Tab. Is I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that product. I know that you, Dan, you saw it, and yeah, this is I something. Love it. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, th they still have it, by the way. If you want to uh, ping them, they're providing it as a plugin, but cool. uh, to their services. But in any case, and they're great guys. I got to say it once again. You know, we dealt with this also at Mopub. And when we started the business, it was kind of like, hey, let's just get anyone to get on the platform. We just need some developers. And one of the things I, I think that we try to do sometimes as founders or entrepreneurs or, or, or even just growth or, or sales professionals is, you know, we, we try to overthink it sometimes and we tend to overthink it. And I thought that, you know, one of the things, again, what we did is that we just 
got folks on the platform understanding that maybe they weren't going to be the customer ideal customer profile or the the prospects that would scale with us but they gave us some reference points there were some there was some data to look back at and as time progressed we started to understand of course we were an ad tech business so we were all about how many impressions you as a mobile app had and and then we started targeting developers that had larger numbers but again we needed a reference point if we didn't understand that a thousand impressions per month was not actually a, a good uh a good baseline metric if we didn't have that data we would have never known and and today you know i've been gone out of the game uh from from twitter now for almost a year uh but you know but towards the end of my my stint there you know we we wouldn't talk to you or allocate a sales resource unless you were doing about 100 million impressions per month which is very different from when we started the business what are some of the things that you've been able or processes or tools tim and this would be a good question for you that you've been able to implement to be able to understand those metrics and, and understand well what is a good customer today as opposed to yesterday uh, not just necessarily from a sales perspective but as a as a business yeah, um, you know, data is key. Uh, and I can tell you that, um, you know, whether it's here at UpCouncil or previously when I was at Udemy, <clears throat> you know, data is the answer, is the way that you're going to find the answer to your question. And it's going to, you know, empower you to, to move fast. Uh, so I think that um, how do we use data or how do you set up data from an infrastructure perspective? I think that. There's a lot of good conversations to be had there, um, but I do think that having someone early on in your business who can help drive data, data as a, as a tracking, as you know, setting up your database, making sure that you're going to be able to you know provide SQL terminals to everyone on the team so that they can query the database themselves. I think that that's really important, especially as we go forward. Um, I've been pretty fortunate uh, to work with some great folks to make that data accessible to people. And then, um, you know, whether, whether it was pulling SQL queries myself or, you know, being able to work with folks who could help, I think that that's key. Um, right now at this phase, like we are implementing some data visualization tools and um, also some exploration tools. So, you know, whether it was Tableau and the, you know, we've been using Tableau, we're actually now going to be looking at, we're, we're actually uh, building our Looker dashboards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been interesting to see. And I think that that's a really, I mean, it's still a new product and service that um, is going to be key for so many companies. And I, I wouldn't say that um, what we've done is necessarily the right or wrong. Uh, I think it really depends on how your infrastructure is set up to be able to you know, connect with these new tools that are out there and what's easiest for the team. But um, you know, really exciting stuff, whether it's Chartio or Looker, or we, we evaluate a whole, a whole slew of, of products. And then we also, to be honest, our data engineer actually built the initial sort of like reporting interface internally. And you know, we use that for the first year. And then now, um, as we're kind of like leveling up, we're, we're, we're actually gonna be exporting some of that so we don't have to maintain two Two services. So do you think, and I have my own opinion on this, but I'd love to hear both of your thoughts. Ben, do you think that a data scientist or a, a pretty technical sales operations hire is, is a good individual to bring on early on? Or what what is a good time to, to hire that type of individual? 
Yeah. So I would separate, I mean, I would put a, there's a different end of the spectrum. Depends on your business, obviously. Right. I mean, who knows Um, what I would say for us, you know, the most important thing to, to, at the early days is to be able to actually get the data out and put it in the hands of the people that are on the ground. Right. So if you're on the business team and you're operating and you need to understand how people are using the product, how much they're using the product, how much they're spending, where they're going, how are they getting in, how, what, what are they doing? To have that sort of tracking in place is more of an engineering and maybe a data engineer uh, and someone who can. And then I think depending on your business, I think you can wait for data. You need a lot of data for data scientists. Team. I think we lost him there. Yeah. Well, Dan, what uh, what's what are some of the I guess your opinion on this tools or, or processes that you've been able to put in place to uh, to be able to understand? I think what Dan was mentioning or Tim was mentioning was you know this conversion funnel. A lot of those metrics that I think are incredibly important nowadays as a business that runs online, we can really understand the user in pretty granular ways. Yeah, totally. So we've got, um, I, I think there's a differentiation here. Like we have our free tool, which is a high volume of users, um, you know, in the tens of thousands. Um, and then we have our enterprise sales funnel, which is the piece that I'm kind of running. It's just very low volume. Like we'll, we'll deal with a, you know, like a hundred or so new leads per month or per week, sorry. Uh, and then we'll qualify them through. Um, so for me, um, in terms of data um, and measuring that funnel, MQL, SQL, close, and then a one loss analysis um, and, and understanding the lost reasons and why people are dropping out of the funnel is critical. Um, and that's really helped us like narrow in on what, what's a good deal for us and like what's not a good deal for us and like how do we how do qualify them out earlier in our process. Um, now we're kind of looking towards the top of the very top of the funnel, the free tools and like, okay, we're getting lead flow from that, but how do we get smarter about it? And that's kind of where we're into the realm of like what Tim's talking about, like really high volumes and a lot of users. Um, and that's where we need to start, you know, writing to a database and being able to query the database. And, and that's going to be really exciting. Um, so it's kind of, it's interesting. It's like, we've got two pieces of the funnel. One is like the true enterprise sales, like it's lower volume, um, and certainly this, they're just lower volume. Um, and then, uh, that, you know, the, the, the lower touch piece of the funnel is where we need, we need to invest now the next quarter. We really need to get on top of it, uh, and get up to speed. And lo- when you say lower touch, are you saying being able to pre-qualify, let's say MQLs using automation, using tools and kind of increase the, I guess the amount of M- of, of leads that are that are or decrease perhaps the amount of leads that are really unqualified before they even hit a human yeah so we're um we're actually looking to increase um the number of qualified leads um that hit the mqls uh, marketing qualified leads 
um, by doing proactive outreach, kind of like what HubSpot did. You know, if you did certain things on the website, they would reach out to you with useful uh, information and, and some guidance. Um, that's kind of what I'm super excited about now. We're going to be kicking that off in the next week or so here. Um, the, I, I, I kind of look at the, when you're looking at instrumentation of your pipeline, it, it's, it's a, I think it's a ratio of humans, you know, humans to leads. Like as a salesperson, you'll be working what, like maybe 20 deals, 30 deals in your pipe, depending on your deal size and how transactional you are. But if you're closing 30 K deals, you, you know, you want to close two of them a month. Um, yeah. If you're an app like Udemy or um, Hub Council, um, you know, the ratio of people to participants is like hundreds of thousands uh, to every one person in the company. So you need to have, you know, systems at scale like that. Uh, whereas for us in the sales process, at the end of the week or the end of the month, we'll look back and, and just go through our deals and that'll be our data set. And, um, but when we want to get data on the top of the funnel, we're going to have to employ, uh, you know, deploy what Tim's talking about and really nail that. You know, Tim's service for me, you know, it's, it's an industry that's been around for, you know, forever. And, he, and you know, companies like Up Council now are, are really helping disrupt that and that space and make it more, um, you know, automated and, and, and efficient. You know, your business is kind of this new type of business, how much time do you spend educating uh, prospects as to why they should use this as opposed to them just kind of getting it off the ground? Yeah, I mean, this is the exciting thing. I had this conversation uh, in an interview the other day, like how much of this is challenger sale versus solution selling and stuff. And to be honest, like we're clearly at the very tip of the iceberg or whatever you want to call it. People who come to us through our sales funnel have already used the tool. Um, they're highly educated about the options. Um, they probably already built something. And the conversation is really a bill versus buy and like, let me, you know, help you find the right option for scaling and get some costs for you on that. Uh, and then you can make the choice so that, you know, I think we've, you know, this has been well documented that it, you know, it's more of an inbound funnel by the time the client gets you it's super educated um, now that's just, I think a stage of the business and like, hooray, the, how exciting that we're, we've got this great inbound funnel and that's going to be our focus for the next two quarters is really nailing that. But there will be a point where we've exhausted that and we're going to need to like, you know, really that's going to be the top, very top of the funnel with content and education, which is like, Hey, you're a company. Um, you look at your data in-house, your CRM, your accounting system, but hey, you know, like all your competitors and your pricing is on the web. Why don't you add that to your data mix? And that'll be the kind of, you know, educating the market piece. But we're just not there yet. I think I think most startups that are really onto something, um, you know, when they start, they're just like signing orders. Um, and we're not, you know, we're, we're pretty much there kind of. But they're certainly not educating people, you know, on this is a trend that's happening and they're responding to it. And I think we're responding to the trend that everyone's realizing, shit, my pricing's on the web or whatever. And I need to get a handle on that. And I need a partner to give me that data on a reliable basis. So um, yeah, it's fun. Well, guys, in terms of, th- again, thank you so much for taking the time. In terms of closing remarks, Tim, what is, you know, one tool that you would give ahead of growth or strategy uh, that you would give a head of growth at a startup today that uh, that you think will will help them just move the needle a little bit, understand their business a little bit, or, or close some uh, 
close some deals or generate some business? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would actually I would actually say that the best thing you can do still for me that has always helped me in the earliest days is find an incredible person on Odesk, Upwork, whatever the hell you want to call it, that you can trust and that you can work with and with process because that that is just makes you like 10 times more productive and you can't automate that yet. Yeah, we saw that. Udemy, Up Council, we're doing the same at Import and I think that's just amazing. I mean, so it's, it's not, it's outsourcing work that's structured and finding people that, you know, can learn your business and, and become like a key resource for you. Yep. So it's all about quality of people still. Quality of people. See, you mentioned this earlier and this gets me really excited because I'm all about the human experience and the humans that are involved in business. You know, it drives me nuts when, when I, especially when I got to the Valley for the third time, uh, five years ago and everyone was trying to automate us salespeople out of the equation and, and, um, and thinking that they could just send, you know, mass emails blasts to everyone and people would buy. And, and I think that, I think we're seeing the value of us humans once again, and yeah, we can use technology and, and automation to, to scale quicker or, or, you know, be more efficient. But at the end of the day, it's really about the human. And I really appreciate you saying that, Tim, but, because yeah, we can have uh, have cheaper uh, you know, services or, or or you know have a, a cheaper operating cost by outsourcing, but you really need great people that you can trust. So I really appreciate our, that. It also is my business, right? I mean, we're we have a service of lawyers, and if our lawyers aren't good people and, and are not good, then we don't have a business. So you know, it's it's a it's a it's about those relationships and about finding the right people who can become more efficient using technology. So it's a, it's a hyper. Guys, are you guys hiring? If anyone wants to maybe look at jobs or get in touch, what's the best, Tim? What, what would be the best way to get in contact with you? Send you a resume or or uh, maybe just send you a note? Yeah, I mean, we, if you go to upcouncil.com, there's a careers page. And that careers page has the list of jobs. There's a bunch of job openings that we're doing, whether it's account execs, account management, um, more on the operations side. Uh, there's a lot of roles. So um, feel free to submit and say that you saw Tim Parks on whatever blab, and you know obviously we'll uh, we'll make sure to review that resume. And then, well, if, and if you want Dan, Dan's personal email to send his resumes to Dan, go ahead. You can tell them. <laughs> and if they, and Tim, real quick, if they want to follow you on Twitter, it's Timothy J Parks, correct? That is correct. Very active Twitter okay. feed. Right on. How about you, Dan? Uh, what, what about specifically jobs? Um, yeah, definitely hiring yeah. account execs, um, and Twitter, Dan T. Murphy. Very, awesome. very inactive as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, have a, have a great day. I will be back in, uh, in Silicon Valley, San Francisco shortly. So we, we got to get together and, uh, and, uh, have a beer or two and, and talk shop once again. Sounds good.